What is up, everybody? It's the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jake Rowe. The Dogs 24 7 with me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. Also, Dogs 24 7. And I don't know if you guys listen to that countdown coming in. When that symbol starts to hit, when that thing starts to. I don't know, man. I feel like I'm a Chicago Bull running out of the tunnel all of a sudden. They get so fired up. Rusty's got that Michael Jordan photo up there behind him. But, uh, Fired up for this show, man. Uh, we were up there in person today talking to Kirby. He gave a pretty little on injuries. And, guys, Kirby said if he had more information, he would love to give it to us. He would love to give it to us. And I believed him when he said it, too. He yeah. said that, uh, yeah. he would love yeah. to give us all the information he we would wanted love on injuries. It. And I believed him. I believe yeah. him. I think yeah. That's one thing him. we know he loves. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure, you know, HIPAA violations and, and you know, there's – He's the head coach at Georgia, so he probably doesn't have all the information. No, it's, yeah, I just found that quote funny. But, yeah, he talked about JT Daniels. He talked about Chris Smith, Jamari Salyer, uh, Kenny McIntosh, Amir Speed, and you go on and on and on because Georgia's got a lot of them. Uh, we're going to get into kind of his comments on that. We're also going to talk second half of the show about Kentucky and then preview a guy, at the, uh, one, of, one of Georgia's top targets who's going to be making a decision uh, this week. But getting into the injury stuff, Rusty, Kirby says JT Daniels late last week, much improved. Had a good throwing session on Thursday, threw a good bit before the game on Saturday. They're getting a hypothetical on Stetson Bennett and, and you know JT Daniels and who's going to be the guy when, when JT's healthy. Um, maybe throw some st- a comment in there on that too, if you if you so please. Well, I mean, I don't think that part surprised you. I mean, you don't want to, I mean, it's you listen to all of the kind of talk shows around the South and some of the national talk shows, and everybody wants to talk about this is a potential quarterback controversy. I've stated last night, I'll state again today, this is JT Daniels' team when he's healthy. Um, it doesn't mean that Stetson Bennett can't play himself into a, a decision later on, but right now this is still, in my opinion, JT Daniels' team when he comes back healthy and uh you know, I just don't think uh, right now that's the time to be dealing with that. So you'll see where we'll see where he does this week. But the one thing we do know, Jake and, and Kip, I think you all agree that the Georgia staff's extremely comfortable with Stetson Bennett. This team's extremely comfortable with him. Uh, that's just a, that's just another notch in the belt for him going on the road and winning. I saw Kirby Smart's uh, post game uh, comments to the team. He said that is an SEC road game right there. You guys just experienced one of the toughest places to play in, how loud it was. We talked about that all last week. You know, that was the unknown. I mean, everybody kind of – some people kind of blew that off like it's not a big deal. It's a huge deal to play at Auburn. Uh, and, and that place is rocking, and Georgia handled it well. More importantly, Stetson Bennett handled it well. So that's just another kind of check mark as you go down the, on the list on this team of where it is, what it's accomplishing, and what its goals are. Uh, it handled business uh, as far as that. You know, the comment about, you know, maybe JT Daniels, you know, maybe could have played or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't know what what would have triggered that. You know, where if you're down third quarter, we'll bring him in. I, it never got to that point is the key thing because Stetson Bennett handled business. And uh, he went down there and, and, and had played a great game. I think Kip talked about it last night on our pod that, uh, you know, how, how well he played, the balls he delivered. He just looks confident, man. And – you see a guy like that when he comes on the sidelines, you know, and you see the guys high-fiving him and stuff. They believe in Stetson as well. So it's really right now it's a good situation for Georgia. They got a number one quarterback that they believe in, and they got a number two quarterback they dang sure believe in. So 
you know, we'll see how this week plays out and how things go with this as it gets moving forward. But I think the plan would be play JT if he's healthy enough to play. Uh, but again, we're just we're assuming things. You know, well, last week we all felt pretty good that we thought Stetson Bennett was going to start, and he did, and he finished the game. This week, I, I have a little more reserve in that. We'll see as the week goes. You know, saying Jamar didn't have any swelling, obviously, I think it's kind of good news because, you know, weight bearing on on, on somebody like, uh, you know, Arian Smith or Vlad McConkey is a little bit different when you sprain an ankle. When you sprain an ankle and you're Jamari Salyer, that's a little bit different weight and, and torque on your ankle and those types of things when you're a big man. And trust me, I know. So um, I think that that was pretty positive comments from him. But I went back again and watched the offensive series for a second time, just fast forwarding through the series. And, you know, Broderick Jones played really good left tackle. I know that has to make Georgia feel really, really good because that gives them a ton of flexibility inside. Uh, again, I thought the inside guys, Ben Pran, Warren Erickson, and Justin Schaefer, nobody really talks about two people. Nobody talks about Justin Schaefer and Warren McClendon. And that's a really good thing if you're a Georgia Bulldog fan, because you know what? That means them two guys are handling business. And Justin Schaefer, a fifth-year guy, comes back. Warren McClendon, you know, all-SEC freshman team, he just goes out every week and he handles business at right tackle, and you never hear about him, never get a holding call, never this, never that. Warren McClendon is very – he doesn't get many mentions at all. And when you're an offensive lineman, that's a really good thing. Yeah, and, and I want to jump back to this JT thing because I think we're approaching – what's maybe a very vital uh, checkpoint in kind of the recovery process here is that, you know, Kirby didn't say that JT could have played. He said he threw, you know, well on Thursday. He said that he could have, I mean, that, that he threw well before the game. Guys, I think you're, you're, you've all of a sudden reached a really important place when JT is available to play if you, if you have to have him. You know, okay. um, you know, you feel good about Stetson. Stetson's played good enough football this year that you're kind of like, oh, well. And, and listen, another thing that needs to get pointed out, and I know we've pointed it out before, but, you know, if you haven't listened to the other shows, you need to listen to this one, okay? Um, Stetson's playing better football, okay? Stetson's a better football player right now than he was this time last year. And he's a healthier football player, and that, that needs to be understood, okay? Yeah, everybody wants to talk about what Stetson did last year, doesn't matter because he's better now. He's playing better football. And with that going on, then Georgia has the luxury of being able to get JT Daniels healthy. I think JT Daniels is Georgia's best quarterback when he's healthy. And maybe he's not available to play this week, okay? Maybe he's not healthy enough to go all out for you this week, but maybe he's healthy enough to play if Stetson struggles or if Stetson turns his ankle or if Stetson hits his hand on a helmet. And that's a big spot to be in if you're Georgia because then you don't have to turn to an inexperienced guy. And you're also on pace to give him another week of rest during the bye week and get him ready to play against Florida, which is also very important. A team that I think Stetson, Stetson plays good football, can help Georgia beat too. Um, the Jamari Sawyer news, the fact that he did not experience any swelling. Uh, listen, I'm not a doctor, not a physical therapist turned enough ankles that I could probably be a specialist if, if, you know, in a foreign country somewhere where the, where the uh, rules aren't as stringent. Uh, but th that's big news. I mean, if you turn an ankle and it doesn't swell up, it's usually not as serious as the con, you know, the, the, the other side of that. Um, and uh, 
I don't know why my, my phone, when I said serious, my phone jumped on and I thought I was saying Siri, uh, which was hilarious. It really threw me off just then. Uh, but yeah, Kip, anything on the JT thing that maybe we haven't mentioned here? No, I mean, just to reiterate that Georgia's got the luxury of having two quarterbacks who can win in almost any situation. And we look across the country at a lot of these other teams, you know, they're still trying to find their first quarterback or know know what they have at, at the quarterback position. At this point, it's, you know, whoever they line up under center, they got to feel pretty good about their chances, especially after just seeing what sets and did it on the road. A guy who's always been talked about as the, you know, the, the lower ceiling guy as far as quarterbacks go. I mean, based on what he just did at Auburn, I mean, that that looks like a pretty high ceiling for me. And as you said, Jake, I mean, he's continued to get better. So I think even stating that he's found his ceiling might be a little premature. I mean, it sets him might have better football ahead of him. And he's continuing to get better, more comfortable in an offense that has kind of just been bits and pieces of what they thought the offense was going to be. They still have yet to have all their players on the field. And, you know, looking at some of these receivers, I mean, if you have a Jermaine Burton out there, if you have Marcus Rosemary Jackson out there, Arian Smith, you know, if you get those guys back, you know, much less a Dominic Blaylock or a George Pickens, uh, I don't think we've seen the ceiling at all from Georgia's quarterback play, regardless of JT Daniels or Stetson Bennett, whoever's at quarterback. You haven't really seen what this offensive unit can do. And I think with the defense playing the way it is, I think it's really helped Georgia's offense kind of find its way. It's a lot, it's basically given them, you know, just a, an opportunity to, to figure some things out. And I think Stetson Bennett's really starting to figure out who he can trust. And right now, it's a lot of young guys out there, as I said in the last podcast. I mean, you got freshmen out there who are catching most of the passes from the Georgia's quarterbacks right now. And that's getting their confidence, you know, and, and more experience for those guys. When the other guys come back, you're going to have, you know, not seen before depth as far as Georgia's concerned in the pass catcher room. And that can only be good for them moving forward when they try to continue to kind of finish the drill and, and get to Atlanta here. All right, let me run through a few more real quick for those who are kind of looking for some news here. Um Still very much uncertain on Jermaine Burton and uh, Arian Smith right now. Uh, Hopeful they'll get those guys back. I still think it's a very good sign that Jermaine Burton traveled uh, for the Auburn game. You know, usually you don't travel a guy as a part of the 70-man roster if you don't think he's going to be able to help you out if you need him. So I think that's something you got to keep an eye on there with him and and maybe something they're being cautious with. Kirby said that he's hopeful they're going to get Arian Smith back. He said they're cautious with Kenny McIntosh. He he didn't pull his hamstring. He had some tightness. And they, you know, kind of – he said – I think he said tread lightly with that. They treaded lightly with it. And Kenny actually did get a couple snaps in that game the other day on special teams. So that's where Georgia's at as far as that. But the other big one – um, yeah, also, also a mere speed ankle. He's going to miss a little bit of time. I would probably say he's going to miss this Kentucky game based on Kirby's tone. Um, may have a chance to be back after the bye week. But another big one is Chris Smith. So, uh, shoulder came out of place. They put it back in. Chris Smith's a tough dude. Kirby brought that up. We already knew that. Mm-hmm. Rusty, how important is it for Georgia to get Chris Smith back? I know Dan Jackson did a good job. I know Tyke Smith can can help out, and Georgia can play some musical chairs with Latavius Brini and maybe Javon Bullard. But Chris Smith, Georgia's leader in interceptions, how big is it that they're able to get him back and get him back soon? 
experience. I mean, you look at that young secondary. You got guys like Chris Smith and Lewis Seen get everybody lined up. You got young guys all over the place back there. Make sure everybody's a very uh, in detail, very complicated. I would say, you know, defense, to, especially on the back end, to do that mix and max coverage stuff with the backers and the corners and everybody. So to have somebody back there like Chris Smith, who's been in the system a long time, uh, Chris Smith plays a lot faster than he really is, and that's a good thing. Uh, but I know this, we all know this, coming from Hapeville Charter, that is a tough kid. And um, played on that state championship team, went up to Raven County and handled business. Um, you know, that's what he brought to Georgia was that toughness and football IQ type player. So to get him back in the lineup would be huge because of because of the youth and inexperience back there still at times. You take a mere speed out of the game, should be playing somebody else as well there. So even Darian Kendrick's new over there. I mean, you let him be an athlete and all that, but he's still – he's a one-year guy in the system. So uh, you look at that situation, and to get Chris Smith back would be big for a lot of reasons. All right, let's jump into a break here real quick. On the other side, uh, we're going to get into some Kentucky talk and a little bit of recruiting talk there at the very end of the show. All right, guys, part two here. Kirby says that Kentucky – has the best offensive line Georgia will have played to date. I agree with him. I think Kentucky's got some ballers up front. They're always really technically sound and good. We've heard this about previous Kentucky offensive lines, though, and Georgia's found a way just kind of to go out there and throat punch them a couple times and, and, and really give them trouble. It's a home game. You know, you've got all of those things factored in. There's a reason Georgia's a 22-point favorite. But Kip, if you're gonna find, if you're gonna take one area of this Kentucky football team, it's not necessarily a matchup, but it's like if you've got one area you're looking at as a Georgia football coach, you're saying we got to get this knocked out this week. This is what we've got to take care of. What would that area be for Kentucky? I mean, you and I have talked about that offensive line. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of, of Darren Kennard. He might be the you know, overall, the best offensive lineman in the SEC. I know come draft time, he might not be that first guy taken, but just, you know, what he does in the run game and as far as just creating the lanes and, you know, wherever they need him to play. I think right now they got him back at right tackle. You, you know, he's a plug-and-play guy for them. But if I'm Georgia, you know, I'm looking at that South Carolina game, what Josh Van was able to do to Georgia then – and the fact that he hasn't really done it in three games since for South Carolina, but just looking at Wandale Robinson and him being a guy that in some one-on-one -on -one situations, he's a real shifty guy, like I said, similar build to, to Josh Van. I mean, Georgia was able to stop Traylon Burks, uh, you know, maybe a more talented guy, uh, and, and basically make it, he's a non-factor in that game against Arkansas. There's a lot of similarities between – the, how Arkansas shapes up and matches up with Georgia and, and Kentucky. I mean, obviously that's good news if you're Georgia. It's strength on strength here. But Wandell Robinson's still a guy that I want to make sure that, you know, he doesn't get lost out there in the secondary and have a couple coverage breakdowns. The secondary's been playing much better football since that South Carolina game, getting experience. Obviously, Keely Ringo's out there. And, and like Rusty said, just with offensive linemen, if you don't hear the cornerback's name, that means he's probably doing a pretty good job. It's the same situation in the secondary. You don't want to hear your name called unless you're picking a ball off. And even then, that means the you know the offense is is trying to pick on you. So if your name's not called at all, uh, it means they respected you and you got your job done in coverage. I think Wandell Robinson's one of those guys to where 
you know, they've really featured him in the offense. He's a guy that, again, about 5'11", 185 pounds. Just You don't want any coverage breakdowns. You don't want to give away, you know, big plays to him and, and allow Kentucky to extend some drives and, and maybe get some scoring opportunities and, and, you know, able to put points on the board. So I, I there's not really a, a weakness in, in Georgia's defense right now just because of how strong the secondary is playing. And obviously the defensive fronts, not allowing opposing quarterbacks to ever get comfortable, but that is a guy that you just want to make sure you know where he is on the field at all times. Yeah, and and one of the things they're going to have to battle against is the fact that Josh Ali is hurt and he's probably not going to be available for this game. So there's not that counterpart. There's not that kind of sidekick for for Wondell Robinson, but I couldn't agree more. And I think more specifically, if you're George, you got to worry about beating those blocks on the edge because those now passes, those tunnel screens, those bubble screens, stuff like that, that's, that's ways that Wondell Robinson can hurt you, especially if Kentucky's at all worried about Georgia's pass rush, which they probably should be even with a good offensive line. Rusty, uh, what would be your pick? You seem to kind of be shaking your head at that Wondell Robinson one, too. Think about transfers. Wondell Robinson and Will Levis, what they've done to this program. Uh, Penn State guy, Nebraska guy. and uh, You look at the quarterback situation, and he played really good against LSU. I think he improved the most on his accuracy. Made a couple of very tough runs in that game. Showed some Show some real stuff in his neck to do what he did. But uh, I think he hit some very, very tight window passes. So uh, I think he's gotten better as the year went on. A young man that kind of blew up last year on the scene. And George just sniffed around a little bit late on him was Trevin Wallace, true freshman linebacker from Wayne County. And, man, he is absolutely balling for Kentucky. Uh, here's a kid that was a really, really – uh, because of the COVID year, got kind of stuck down there in the corner of, of Southwest Georgia and really didn't get a chance to work out in front of anybody. Had a great senior season. I know Auburn came in late, tried to get him. Kentucky got him. I think he was committed to uh, – he was committed to Boston College for a while, a long while. He decommitted. Uh, I know Glenn Schumann and him had some communications with him, but, man, he had a pick six against Florida. He took it to the house, rolled out on him, Last week, I was just watching the Kentucky-LSU game. He made a couple of plays where he was flashing. So, you know, you look at two transfers, and you look at a true freshman from Southwest Georgia, uh, we could talk about that O-line all day long. This is going to be a uh, – this is not coach talk from Kirby. This is this is the best offensive line they have faced. Uh, but still, the window opportunity against Georgia, you know, a lot of people, you know, I've been on this side of it before, so I kind of understand, but – listening to some, a lot of Auburn fans and reading their comments, you know, like, hey, if we'd have caught those couple of passes and, hey, if we'd have got that one call, it's a different game. And the window of opportunity against Georgia is so small. you got to hit everything. Uh, you got to hit every pass. you got to make some plays off off schedule and do those types of things. So we'll see where Kentucky is. Having Josh Ali out is a, is a, is a bad deal for Kentucky. You know, they need every playmaker they got against this defense. So, um, you know, we'll talk about this more in the week, but I, right now, just an early, early, early thing, man. I really like this matchup of Georgia's defense against this Kentucky offense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not to like Georgia's defense matchup with a lot of offenses. And, you know, one thing I'll point out, too, is Octavius Oxendine, uh, a, a very good defensive lineman for Kentucky, is out for the rest of the year as well. Mm. Uh, that that should had be two, a, had two sacks against LSU, right? Yeah, and that's a guy that you know, he he was. I know mm. I can't remember who they played in the opener. Uh, but but he was he was very active in that game. I think he had like three or four straight tackles in that game. I hate to see that for anybody, but he's a really good player. 
Uh, and, and, you know, Josh Pascal's a stud for them up front. They've got some good players on defense. Uh, but I heard Cole Kubelik talking about it, and, and it's something that I think might hurt them a little bit against Georgia is the fact that, you know, they're, they're fundamentally sound. They've got good size and length, but not the twitchiest, most athletic group you're going to find on either side of the ball, really, uh, when you start talking about the whole package. Even the running backs, as physical and downhill and as tough to tackle as they are, um, not necessarily speedsters and and you know guys that are going to beat you in the passing game. They they're they're true blue downhill running backs. And Kentucky's got good players, but again, Georgia's favored by three touchdowns for a reason. And uh, we'll see if the Bulldogs can cover that. We'll have a chance to talk about our leans on uh, Wednesday. All right, guys. Before we go, Georgia's got a got a big time target. Going to make his decision on Wednesday. Uh, Rusty, give us some details on that one. What Oscar Delp, when is he going to decide, and, and what are you hearing going into that decision? Well, um, obviously we'll be doing that one on TV uh, with Fox 5 Atlanta. He wanted to do a live TV thing. Um, when Jake Pope committed to Alabama on TV, uh, he approached me and said, hey, I like that setup. My family would like to do that. And I said, we make it happen, Oscar. Just let me know whenever you're ready to do it. So I have not talked to Oscar. I have not talked to him in two or three weeks. Now, I will talk to him uh, tomorrow night as we set up everything for Wednesday, but it'll be Wednesday at 6.50 p.m. Uh, Dogs 247 will have full coverage of that decision. Um, you know, he took a couple visits. You know, he's, he's been some places. He's got a, a ton of uh, – he's got a ton of um, – tar- obviously a ton of uh, connections to South Carolina with his mom and family there. By the way, his mom's running the Boston Marathon today, which is crazy. Uh, so, you know, I was trying to set up a phone call with him, get everything set up. And she's, I think his mom and dad's in Boston while his mom's running the marathon right now. So good luck to her in that. But, um, you know, I have to make answers and predictions and stuff. I mean, I'm, say Georgia, but, you know, I, I'll say this right here live. You know, I, Oscar Delp has never told me where he's going. I have not had that conversation with him yet. So, kind of follow the visits with something like this and i'll say georgia uh but you know, as we get closer up you know this that could change but i kind of like where georgia's been with him and you start looking at the, the visits and if you're watching georgia and you're a tight end guy you saw what brock bowers is doing and what darnell washington's doing i don't know what much more they can say if, if he's trying to look at the offense and they can say here here you go so we'll see how this plays out but wednesday night around 6 50 we'll have a live link um and and um on Dogs two four seven should have full coverage there, and we'll find out. But you know, if I had to predict as of today, I will say Georgia, but hundred percent don't know yet. Kip, who would you say for uh, for Oscar Delp at this point? I mean, I think right now you just, you can't really bet against Todd Hartley right now, just the way he's recruiting the position, and obviously, I think uh, you know, in years past, the position everyone's kind of discussed that maybe you know underutilized in the offense. You can't say that about. Georgia's offense right now with how they're using Brock Bowers without, you know, Darnell Washington at the end of last year, getting him back on the field. Obviously they, they went to him against Auburn as well down the sideline, you know, almost made an incredible catch, got a, a, a flag penalty on that. You, you can't defend a guy like that. And with Brock, I mean, he's established himself as already one of the most talented tight ends in the country as a freshman. So you look at Oscar Delp, he was the the top target for, for Todd early on in this cycle. And, I mean, the last couple of cycles, when Todd locks into one of his guys, it's, it's really hard to bet against him. And I think, you know, Oscar's 6'5", 220 pounds, that fits into that, you know, the 
the new era of tight ends, the guys that basically are, you know, jumbo pass catchers out there. They give you size and catch radius out there. And I mean, even looking ahead to 2023, I think, you know, you got to like where Todd is with with a guy like Lawson Lucky at, at Norcross High School. Uh, and uh, again, Neo Avery, a guy that could play multiple positions, you know, out of Maryland, Our Lady Good Counsel, two guys that are, you know, have great size. I think Neo could play quarterback. He could play tight end. I think Todd's loading up in that tight end room right now. He doesn't have those guys committed right now, but he does already have, you know, a, a 2023 tight end commitment and one of the, you know, one of the more productive players in the country in Pierce Sperlin down in Florida. So, I just think he's loading up that position room and saying, you know what, this is going to be a focal point of Georgia's offense moving forward. And I don't think uh, I don't think Todd Monken or Georgia's quarterbacks have any issues with that whatsoever, just based on how their performance has been this year. Absolutely. And we'll have it covered for you over at Dollars 24-7 Wednesday. Coming back to you with our Wednesday leans in a mailbag. Thursday we'll be making picks and uh, probably be talking about uh, uh, if, if the predictions are true, We'll be talking about Oscar Delp and that commitment uh, there on Thursday. Hit that subscribe button, folks. Join us for our net last two shows this week. Next week's the bye, and then world's largest outdoor cocktail party the next week just to kind of give you a rundown of what's coming. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, that's all we got. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place. Take it easy. <laughs>